Good day and welcome to February, or better known as Love Month. My name is Lauren Young, lead pastor of Discovery Church, and we are so thankful that you took time to be with us today to listen to this podcast. In the month of February, we are in a series called Double Tap, Finding Real Love in a Selfie World. Have a great day and enjoy this podcast. Actually, for the last three weeks, we've been in a series called Double Tap. And if you, if you know uh, social media at all, you kind of understand what a double tap does. If you don't understand double tap, it kind of sounds a little bit uh, explicit. And it's kind of done that purpose. It's like a, a play on words. A double tap, if, if you have an Instagram, and if you have Instagram right now, you should take out your phone, take a picture of me, <laughs> and tag Discovery Church in and let your friends know that you're here. Actually, don't take a picture of me. Shanley, why don't you come up? No. Um, she... <laughs> She would attract way more people than I would attract. That's for sure. There's, uh, see, I told you I was imperfect. So we've been in a series. Shanley's like, get back on, Lauren. Like, get in the zone, okay. Maybe I should pray. Does that get me in the zone? Shanley's praying. I'll ask to pray. God, we just thank you so much that we can be here today. We thank you that we get to do what we do. Allow the word that I'm about to bring uh, transform my life, our lives, and allow us uh, to step into a deeper relationship with you in your name. Amen. Okay, for the last three weeks, we've been in a double tap series, and it's finding real love in a selfie world. Do you remember the first time that you heard the words, I love you, from somebody other than a parent? And now some of the boys in here is like, I wish I heard those words, I love you. My mom tells me every single day, and I'm 42 years old. If that hurt, I'm sorry. But I remember the first time I were, heard the words, I love you, from somebody other than a parent. I was in grade 11, and I was driving my girlfriend at the time home. And I, I was driving, and I usually pull into her driveway, and I usually, she usually jumps out, goes up to her door. I wasn't gentleman enough to like walk her to her door, so she would just jump out, shut her own door, walk up. And it, I was gentleman to wait to see if she got in her house, and then I'll pull away. And this particular day, I, I pulled into her driveway. She went to grab for the door handle, and she went to get out, and she paused. And she, she sort of shifted in her seat, and she said, Lauren, I got something I want to say. I'm like, oh boy. She looked at me and she said, Lauren, I love you. And I stopped for a moment and I looked at her and said, I think we should break up. <laughs> Literally heartless, right? Honestly, that's what, that's what happened. And I remember the moment she was like, uh, and she literally jumped out and she ran into her house, grade 11. Um, and and I'm, I didn't walk her to her door. I, to, I told her we should break up after she told me she loved me. And, and, but I always vowed that I love you was, a word, was words that I wasn't just going to throw around. It wasn't something that I was just going to, to, to put out there for anybody. I made that vow really early in life. But it seems like in our world, in our society, in our culture, that the word love is actually just a word that we get thrown around. That it's actually a word that gets, that gets uh, cut down. It, 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 it's, it's tainted because of the easiness to say. Or even the easiness to double tap a picture. A little heart comes up on your, uh, their profile and you have 143 likes. If you have 143, you're way more popular than I am because I've never had that many likes uh, on my picture. But it's like, I love you. It's like, 
If you take the right angle of the picture, people seem to love you a little bit more. Um, Put those boobs away, girls. It's true. Come on. But over the past three weeks, we've been in this series called Double Tap. And if you actually look at the Bible and look at it as original language, the New Testament was actually written in what uh, we would call the original Greek. And the Greeks actually had four words for love. But when it got translated into English, what made most significance and most sense to translate it was the word love. English only had one word to explain how God actually described love. We have, English has some, some things that just doesn't seem to make sense. We have one word for love, but we have three words for two, three words for by, three words for there, but one word for love. And when we start to understand, is, now I'm not original language kind of person. I've learned four words in the last four weeks in Greek, and that's probably as extent as my Greek language is going to go. And I can't even say the same word the right the second time. We've talked about that. We'll talk about storge, 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 agape, agrepe. Well, I'm not sure, right? It, it, it just it comes out, and it sounds like Greek to me. Somebody else is like, that sounds like gibberish. But because when, when we begin to understand the love of God intended, we can live out the command that that he gives us in, in John 13 and 34. He says, love one another in the same way I love you, you love one another. And when we start to grasp this idea that God actually had different types of love that he, he tells us in the Bible, not just one type of love or not one that just sort of blends everything together, we start to understand and start to come to an understanding where we can actually live out love one another. So three weeks ago, we looked at uh, philia love, which is a brother love, you know, Philadelphia, uh, city of brotherly love. And we cre- we're created for a community. We're created to be in relationship. And in our world today, people just kind of live lonely. The biggest uh, pandemic in our world is not any, any drug, it's not opioids, it's actually loneliness. More people die from loneliness than any other symptom in our society today. And then two weeks ago, we talked about storge, storage, storge, uh, love, which is uh, family love. And then last week, I heard that Pastor Paul brought the house down. Uh, and how could you not when you talk about eros, erotic, romantic love, right? It's like Valentine's at its, at its best. But some, somewhere in our society, it seems like when we talk about love, that's where our minds go. We go to the sexual, we go to the romantic, we go to the erotic love instead of actually understanding how God created us to love one another. And because, because the English language only has one word for love, it seems like it gets blurred, it gets crossed over, and not always is it supposed to. And because of our lack in our English language, the word love has been tainted. See, I can have a filial love a storge love, uh, a eros love, and we're going to talk about today, agape love with my wife. But so many times we step into uh, relationships with people and we want eros love without philia love. But God created us to be in community with one another that we can actually love a brother or love a sister without it being an eros love at all. And so many times I think we, we have a hard time separating the types of love that God created us for. So when it comes to saying, I love somebody, it's really tough because we, we have a hard time separating the types of love that God 
designed us. Today we want to look at agape love. And this is what it says about agape. It's found throughout the New Testament and perfectly describes the kind of love Jesus Christ has for his followers and for his father. Agape is a type of love that is selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional. Agape is, is the most famous type of love found throughout the scripture. It is woven right from Genesis to Revelations, the love of God. And probably the most uh, well-known verse of agape is John 3.16. If you grew up in church, you would probably, you, especially if you knew King James, um, you, would have, you would have learned this one. I have such a hard time actually reading it because I learned it in King James. Thou with this if, uh, the if, if you're like new to church, you're like, what the heck is he talking about? Um, we're so excited you're here. This is one of the most important verses you should remember. Uh, for God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is the greatest demonstration of agape throughout all of scripture. And then if you read in a few verses later in John fifteen thirteen, it says that there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And the foundation to Christianity is the fact that Jesus came and laid down his life so that we could have eternal life. But he laid it down willingness. There's no greater love. And as I read these two verses saying, okay, God loved me so much that he sent Jesus to die for me. And then Jesus laid down his, his life for me. Then I, and there's no greater love than to lay down a life for a friend. I start to put all these things together. And I, then I start to realize, I'm like, oh, Jesus calls me his friend. And the coolest thing about friendships, and here we have a ton of people that are growing in friends, in friends the dream team, our, our discovery family. A year and a half ago, lots of people didn't even know anybody. And now people are going up for coffees and, and calling people when they, when they get promotions and calling people when something happens in their life that they need help with. And friendships are growing. And the coolest thing about friendships is that you get to choose them. And I read this verse and I say, that Jesus chose me? And I'm so thankful that Jesus chose me and decided to love who I was because, because of it, I have peace and I have purpose, I have hope, I have assurance, I have a greater understanding that there's more value in life than just the 70 or 80 years that I live. And I'm so thankful, but to be honest, I'm kind of an honest person, I have a really hard time accepting God's love. It is so hard for me to personally accept God's love because I actually know who I am. See, when I start thinking about it, I start to realize how imperfect I am from day to day to day. See, I'm messed up. You might be able to relate to some of this. I'm selfish. I, I, do, I do things wrong when I know they're wrong. I get mad and upset at my family when I shouldn't. I see all my failures. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you're here and you've, you've kind of and you know the church life a little bit or you know the Christian life a little bit and you're like, man, I'm too much of a screw up. I'm too, I'm too messed up to be able to accept God's love. And you, you see all these, these failures and all these things that you're so hard on yourself about. And you kind of say, and God still loves me with a question mark? How is that possible? You're kind of like, come on. That, 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 that is impossible. There's no way God can love and mess up at somebody that's so imperfect like me. 
I always seem to be stumbling, tripping up, falling, looking at things, doing things, saying things that shouldn't be done. Agape is the greatest of all loves that we find in all of Scripture, but it's also the hardest one for us to grasp and understand. As I started looking at agape and started reading and started understanding a whole lot more, I found it harder and harder and harder for me to actually believe that I'm loved. And as I was praying, God was just saying, Lauren, you have the tendency to get in your own way when it comes to accepting my love. See, I'm learning that I have the tendency to listen to all other voices in my life when it comes to God's love and God's acceptance for me than actually listening to God's voice. See, I have a tendency to listen to voices like uh, that say that you have to earn your worth or you, you have to get to a certain point in your faith journey before you are loved or, or voices that say you're worthy, your worthiness of love is measured on what you own or what you do or the amount of money that you make. And I continue to hear, hear voices like you're not worthy, you're, you're on qualified. Have you ever gotten a, a call from a 1-800 number and you make the mistake of picking it up? And when you pick it up and on the other line is, congratulations, you have been selected for a brand new, brand new cruise. For, for, I guess it would be brand new if you've never been. But you've been selected for a cruise. Just stay on the line and, a, and an operator will be with you momentarily. What do you typically do? Hang up, right? If you're normal, you would hang up. If you're feeling really lucky and you just won like a, a scratch ticket and won 235 on a scratch ticket, you would probably say, oh, well, it's my lucky day and I'm going to stay on the line. But if you hang up because you're like, man, this is too good to be true. And if you got suckered into staying on, you get to a point where you're like, oh, it is too good to be true. It, it, they want me to apply for a visa card or they want me to buy a timeshare or they want me to travel to Florida and sit through this whole thing and then I'll get a, a, you know, a cruise on a little dory out in the, out in the, the arbor or something, right? There's always a hook and there's things that you're like, man, I'm not staying on the line. It's not wasting my time. It's not worth it. And we have such a hard time grasping and accepting the unconditional love of God because we feel that it's too good to be true. Man, it, it seems too good. There's no way that, that, that the creator of the universe, the perfect God himself, can actually love and mess up like me. It's too good to be true. So what's the point to even keep picking up? What's the point to even continue our relationship? What's the point to even continue this process of giving my life to Christ? Because you know what? It's too good to be true. In the end, it's not going to make any sense. I'm going to get somewhere. I'm going to be disappointed because I'm going to be out in the middle of the ocean trying to wear a life jacket because the cruise ship just went down. Here's the truth. And this is Bible. God loves us as we are. Not as we should be and not as we could be. There's an unconditional, sacrificial love that Jesus has for every single person in this room as you are right now. You don't need to clean up. You don't even need to get in the shower. 
You don't, you don't need to get more money. You can even be claiming bankruptcy. You could be here and you could be high. God loves you as you are right now. He's not expecting you to clean everything up. Actually, it's his responsibility to make us more like Christ. Not ours at all. It's God's responsibility to turn us into the people that he wants us to be. One of the very first times in the Bible that Jesus calls some people, he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees some fishermen. And if you know anything about fishermen, they stink. Because they smell like fish. Okay? And I'm sure 2,000 years ago they smelled even worse because showers were probably not very warm. And they probably only showered every couple days. And he's walking along and he sees some fishermen and he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I read that verse and, and, and I think about that Jesus, be, here's, here's the, the pre-disciples out fishing. He didn't say go home and make sure your family has enough money and go home and make sure your business is well. Go home and clean your shoes, clean up your sandals, make sure your toenails are cut and your hair is slicked over like Pastor Lauren. Like, I'm not sure if my hair is good or not. But he said, come and follow me. Drop everything, come and follow me. And then these next words that he says has shattered my life in a good way for, for years. It says, and I will make you. Come and follow me and I will make you. And so many of us get caught in this zone of trying to make ourselves, trying to shape up and clean up, and we try to get to this point and say, okay, by that point, I'll give my life to Christ because I'm, but God says, I will make you. Come as you are, and I will make you. We have a, pro, we have a value here at Discovery Church that says we value process. No matter where in your faith journey you are at, we welcome you home at Discovery Church. That life's a process, and not everyone's life looks the same, but if we're all working together and walking for the same goal, we're going to get somewhere that's going to be really good. See, when we accept God's unconditional love, we move from religion into relationship. Where religion says that you have to do all these things to be accepted. And this is the greatest difference between Christianity and all other world religions is that Christianity never says you have to do anything to be accepted by God. That the relationship that comes through being a Christian says, you know what, you're already accepted. You're already made whole. All you need to do is say yes to that. Where religion says, I got to do this, this, this. Give 42% to the church and give to the, to the poor and make sure I never pass a homeless person. And, and they just say all this stuff. I need to, my, my goods need to outnumber my bads. And if that happens, then maybe God will have, have uh, a little bit of uh, extra hope on me. And ne- in my next life, I won't be as poor as I am. I'll actually be a little bit better. And eventually you get to a point where God is actually pleased with you. See, Christianity is totally opposite of that. And that's something that our world needs to no, our world needs to see is that the love of God is not about anything that you can do. It's all about what he's already done. Yeah. Romans 5 and 8, Kristen, if I can get you to come up, that'd be amazing. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Thousands of years ago, Romans 5 and 8 was written. While we were still sinners. Well, God, I wasn't even born yet. God knew that we needed a way. While I was still imperfect, you still decided to, to, to die for me? You mean before the affair, before the abortion, before the bankruptcy, before my first million, before my first graduate degree, you still loved me? You still died for me? Yes. While we were still doing our own thing, Christ already paid the price for you. Christ already demonstrated his love for you while we were still sinners He died for us. Before we were ever thought about, he called you by name and said, I will give my life so you can have life abundantly and a hope of eternal life. And you know what? He did it before all those things, but he also did it after the affair and after the bankruptcy and after your graduate degree and after your first million that God still said, I'm still gonna die for them. I still love them so much. My love is unconditional, is sacrificial. I will give everything I own, everything I know, my life that you would come into a love that, that says, you know what? There's nothing I can do other than just accept it. And step from religion into relationship. And so many things that hold so many people in our city back is because of religion. There's more people that died in our world because of religion. God doesn't call us into religion. He's calling us into a relationship. Not because we, we got to do something, because we get to do it. It's not, it's not uh, we don't get, we're not a Christian out of duty. We're, out of, we're a Christian out of delight. Fact of the matter is, is that no matter how good you are, if you'd rip it all away, do I deserve for the God of the universe to send his son to earth to pay for my mess ups on a cross? Do I deserve it? No. Can, you, can I tell you what I deserve? I deserve death, no matter how good I was. But God decided to make a way where there was no way. Decided to send his son in his unconditional love to come and give his life freely so we could experience a relationship with Jesus in a way that we've never experienced before. So I want to give us the opportunity today to make that very decision. Maybe you're here and You've never been in church before. And you're like, well, I've been trying to do all these good things because it just feels right in my humanity that I'm supposed to do all these things to, be, to, to get somewhere, I guess. And maybe this is the very first time you've ever heard about God's unconditional love for you and that you can step into a relationship. Maybe this is your first time ever hearing that. Today, it is your opportunity to step out of religion and step into a relationship. Maybe you're here and you came because somebody's getting baptized that's close to you. 
Or maybe you've seen a social media post and said, oh, that looks really fun. It looks like they're trying to drown some people. Let's go and see what happens. Maybe you're here and you know the church game. And you grew up in church. And you've considered giving your life to Christ, but you're like, man, I need, my marriage needs to be better before I do that. My life, life needs to make more sense. Maybe after I get my business figured out and, and finances is, is not an issue anymore. Maybe when my schedule shapes up and I can actually get to a church on a Sunday. Maybe, 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 maybe. And you've been pushing it off, pushing it off. Or you've been tainted. You've been hurt by the church. I get it. Can I tell you why we started Discovery Church? We started Discovery Church not for church people. We started Discovery Church for unchurch people that people could come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we started. That's why we started. So if you're here today and you know that you've been trying to clean up and shape up and make up and whatever, can I encourage you not let this moment slip by? Because Jesus Christ died unconditionally for you to have life abundantly and for you not to go into a Christless eternity. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I've been to Discovery Church every week. I've actually been trying to live a Christian life, but I still, like, I know that unconditional love is, is so real and I'm thankful for it, but I keep listening to the voices in my head. How do I get away from listening to the voices in my head like I'm a mess up, I'm worthless, I can't do anything? Can I tell you the easiest way to stop, stop believing those lies is to spend time in God's word because that's the number one way that God wants to speak to you. And so many times we allow, we, we, we hold on to these lies and what it's like, it's like Velcro. You ever have Velcro on a, on a jacket and like the more you use it, the more it gets full and the more it doesn't work and you pull it off, it's like, you got to clean it, right? We got to start cleaning. We got to get rid of all those lies. And the best way to clean it is to dive into the word because the word says that you're worth his son, that you are perfect in, in, in him, that you, that you are, that you are bought with a price, But if we're not in the word, guess what happens? We start believing the lies. And the more that we hear the lies, we start to think that they're truth. Love one another in the same way I've loved you. You love one another. Agape is a term that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is his ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing concern for the lost. God says, love one another. So he's saying, I'm agape, but I want you to have agape love for one another. Agape is a self-sacrificing concern for the lost. If you're here today and you, you call yourself a Christian, can I ask you an honest, real question? How concerned are you for the lost? How desperate are we to see people who don't know Jesus come into a relationship with him? It was three, four weeks ago, Shalene and I were out on a date. 
and uh, we were chatting to somebody and we invited him to church. And as I was starting to reflect on the conversation after, I said to Sean Lee, I, I, bet, you, I bet you she doesn't even know that church is for her. I bet you don't, she doesn't even know that she's allowed. And I was chatting to somebody else. And the reality of where nearly 300,000 people in our city are at, they don't even know that they're allowed at Discovery Church. They don't even know that they're allowed at Hope City. They don't even know that they're allowed at Evolve. They don't even know that they're allowed at Evangel. They don't even know that they're allowed at Beulah or whatever. Name the church. They kind of view it like a Lions Club. Right? Do you, have you ever been into a Lions Club? Probably not. You're not a veteran. If you are a veteran, you may have went into a Lions Club. But the reality of it is, so many people look at church like a Christian club. Well, I'm not a Christian. I'm not allowed to go there. But the thing is, we're not a Christian club. We're a hospital for the dying. We started Discovery Church with that, that we would love people so much that this could be a tool that we would use to reach people for Jesus Christ. Not to push Jesus on you, but to simply share the agape love and allow people to have a choice. Allow people to have an open, honest choice to say, hey, I want to choose it or I don't want to choose it. So if you're here today and, and you call yourself a Christian, can I ask you a little bit of a bold question? When was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you felt love for somebody that you were so concerned? When was the last time maybe you took an invite off the chair and invited somebody to church as as they uh, served you coffee? When was the last time you even opened the door and, 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 uh, and thank you, maybe you even just dropped it and said, yeah, God bless you. There's so many ways. There's, people are not opposed to Christianity. People don't know that Christianity is for them. That's where so many people in our society is at that they don't know they're allowed to come to church. Can we change that? Can we create a place? Can we create an invite culture that says, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for the loss. I am, I am desperate to see loss come home. I am desperate to find people who need to know the love of Jesus, not because we can fill a seat at Discovery Church, but because we can fill a spot in eternity. That's the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated for us. Agape. It changed my life and it continues to change my life. Would you allow it to change yours? Thank you for taking time to tune into this week's podcast from Discovery Church. We hope you have a great week and we are excited for you to listen again next week. Have a great day.